Well, next month, uh, my wife and I are celebrating 14 years of marriage, uh, which we're excited about. Big deal. We were high school sweethearts, and, um, and it's uh, absolutely love. God gave me an amazing spouse in Katie. Uh, we, uh, there's been a number of times I've come alongside couples who are uh, getting ready to get married. And one of the number one topics to talk about during counseling sessions um, is conflict. How can you conflict well? Um, because inevitably, conflict's going to come, right? It's, it's going to be there. Um, and Kate and I, you know, we're, we're lucky. We just don't seem to fight very often. Uh, in fact, I remember our first fight in high school was about the fact that we never fought, which seems like a really silly thing to fight about, but I was like, give me opinions. I want to hear. Uh, but inevitably, uh, there are times where, where we have disagreements. And one such instance happened just a couple months ago. Uh, first, there's something you need to know about me. Uh, next to my bed... Uh, there is an alarm clock, and on the back of that alarm clock, there are two little USB ports, and one of those USB ports, there is always plugged in a charger for my Fitbit, and that way, when my Fitbit needs to be charged, I know exactly where that charger's at. And in the other one of those plugs is always plugged in my uh, cell phone charger, and that way, at the end of the day, when my phone is dying, I plug it in, it gets juiced up over the night, and the morning I wake up, it's good to go for the rest of the day. Uh, an unhealthy OCD confession from Aaron up here from the front. Um, my wife, uh, she has so many amazing qualities that it would take me all morning to recite them to you. She's an amazing woman of God, amazing partner in life. Knowing where the cell phone charger is is not at the top of her gift list. And so a couple months ago, uh, she was heading out the door, and, um, and as she was heading out the door, her phone was, was almost dead, and so she grabbed a, a charger that she knew exactly where it was uh, from my bedside and headed out and didn't think anything of it. Uh, that night, I don't know, I don't know what happened. I, I don't remember the circumstances of the day, uh, but I lay down in bed, and I got ready to plug in my cell phone, and my cell phone charger was not where I wanted it. It wasn't where I normally left it before, um, and... I am usually a patient man. For whatever reason, my, my switch flipped. I started getting elevated. I was getting frustrated. Uh, my wife, her eyes get big because she's like, it's right downstairs. I can walk right down there and grab it for you. Uh, but I was, I was just like heated in this moment. Uh, and my wife also has this amazing, godly, I find it sometimes a little annoying quality. And at the height of like me getting elevated, she'll say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I'm like, well, I'm not even close to being ready to forgive you, right? Like, not until you feel the pain of my cell phone charger being moved will I forgive you. Not until, not until you've paid the full price. And, uh, and, you know, eventually I come to my senses and I calm down. Uh, today we're talking about the issue of forgiveness. And, and I want to just start by asking, do you have an easy time forgiving? If you think about your own natural tendency, do you hold grudges against people? If some, someone does something to hurt you, uh, is your natural tendency to isolate yourself and cut them off or uh, to retreat uh, uh, into your own? Um, do you find that there is bitterness left over from wounds that you haven't healed when it comes to issues that have come up with other people? Do you think of ways to get even? We've been going through a series leading up to Easter called Not the Boss of Me. And it's looking at four different areas in our lives that often can be tripping points. Uh, they can be unhealthy patterns uh, that we can find ourselves in as Christians. In week number one, Pastor Allen introduced the series and talked about anger. 
and how we're not meant to live lives that uh, are angry. And he also talked about the gift of repentance. And then last week, Pastor Wally talked about uh, rejection and where you felt rejection in your life, and we've all felt it, we know that we are ultimately accepted by an amazing, loving God. And the bottom line of the series is this, that God desires freedom for your life. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for the sake of freedom that Christ has set us free. And although on that cross, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid every price that could possibly free us, Many Christians walk around in bondage. I was at a retreat just last month, and it was a high school group from another church. And there was a young lady who was sharing a testimony, and she was talking about Christ at work in her life. And she had actually gone through, um, over the last year, being diagnosed with an eating disorder uh, and was in recovery, but she just had an amazing way of, of seeing God in the midst of her recovery. Uh, but she gave this picture of what she felt. She said, I, f- I feel like I-, I know Jesus has broken every chain. I know he's freed me, uh, but I feel like I'm still sitting in the midst of the chains. And I said, that's a pretty profound, I think, vision of the way that sometimes we're just, we find ourselves surrendered to live, that even though Jesus has freed us, we are still sitting amongst the chains. And if you believe that there is a God, if you believe in the word of God, then we understand that there is also an evil one, an adversary uh, a deceiver who desires nothing more than for you to feel like you are still stuck in chains that have already been broken. And so today we are talking about unforgiveness, which is a major stumbling block, I think, in many of our lives. The, the Bible actually has a lot to say on the topic of forgiveness. Uh, unforgiveness, or the inability or refusal to forgive, is one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has against us. We live with unhealed wounds deep hurts, long-standing grudges, which, if left alone, can produce things in our life that we don't want, like bitterness, anger, and rage. The opposite of unforgiveness is forgiveness. And forgiveness is at the very foundation of God's kingdom. It's the very nature of God the Father. So for a working definition for us today, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the act of pardoning someone. It is the act of pardoning someone. It doesn't mean that person is not guilty. In fact, as far as you're concerned, uh, they're probably guilty. But forgiveness means that you are giving up your right to get even. I realize it can be difficult to forgive. Forgiveness contradicts our human concept or understanding of fairness. Uh, And generally, we want what's fair, right? If someone wrongs me or hurts me, I want to hurt that person back in response. That's the, the human fleshly reaction. When someone punches me, the biblical response is to turn the other cheek. But I don't know if you've ever been punched in the face before. My human response is to want to punch back even harder, right? If someone slanders me, if someone gossips about me, uh, the, the human reaction is to say, well, I got something I can share about you. Like, like th- there's something I can talk to you about that person in that case. Uh, that's the way of the world. And generally, the way of the world is not willing to forgive. We can think of it this way. If we were to draw out a graph, and on the bottom of the graph, if we were to talk about the strength of a relationship, And on this axis, if you were to say, here, here's a low relationship. This is like random person you bump into at the grocery store. And here's a high relationship. This is like 
your mom. Everyone loves their mom, right? That would be a good spot there. On the other axis, if we were to talk about the level of the offense, and here at the bottom, you see something like someone cutting you off in traffic, uh, and then up at the top, we have a higher offense like um, uh, you think murder or uh, abuse or something that is significant in our lives. And if we were to be honest with ourselves, you know, based on the level of the relationship, that usually dictates the amount of forgiveness that I'm willing to extend to someone or the natural way that we're willing to extend a forgiveness to someone else. And so down here, you know, random person at Walmart, uh, they may be just taking a little bit too long in the cereal aisle, right? I just want to get to my Wheaties. And my, my forgiveness threshold for that individual is pretty stinking low. Uh, on the other hand... Let's say it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spouse, it's someone you're married to, it's, it's a parent. Um, patience, uh, the, the level of the relationship dictates what we're willing to, I think often in our flesh, forgive. And what we find is there's this threshold. And in here, depending on the level of the relationship, what we're willing to forgive is a little bit increased. And we say, okay, in there it still makes sense from this worldly uh, fairness quotient, like I can figure out what I'm willing to forgive but if something falls above this line, if something you know, just goes a little bit beyond what we're thinking about, uh, let, let's say someone, someone comes along and, and there's a super high offense, like our reaction is to say, no, before I'm going to forgive you, uh, you, gotta, you gotta earn it, right? You gotta do something to, to, to meet me. You gotta do something to, to pay me back. Like I wanna get even in this situation. And as a result, we find that there's this whole area of our lives where we're not willing to forgive because it's not fair. We can take that same way of thinking into our relationship with God. And we can think that we deserve forgiveness, right? Like Because our relationship with God, maybe you've been walking with Christ for a while, maybe you've been trusting him, and, and you're doing a lot of the right things, right? You're doing a lot of the things that, that God means for you to do, and as a result, you say, you know what, I really fall kind of down in this area. I'm actually pretty clean on the outside. And as a result, we can say that I deserve forgiveness from God. One of the most frustrating concepts is thinking about what you deserve when it comes to God, right? You, you don't want to go down that alley because what I deserve is judgment and wrath. Romans 5.8 says that, but God demonstrates his own love for this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like while we were still in our mess, when we didn't deserve it at all, Christ died for us. And we look at the scale and you look at the scales of how God judges and not one of us is righteous on our own. You cannot understand Christianity without understanding a theology of forgiveness. Now the heart of the Christian gospel message is this, that Jesus forgave you. Although you owed a debt that could never be paid because of sin, God, through Jesus Christ, pardoned us. And so for us on this scale, we see that there is no fairness quotient. The blood of Jesus comes along and it says, you are forgiven not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that he's done. And that's the only way that we can stand before the Father. And it's out of a recognition of that that we say, okay, fairness shouldn't really play into the command to forgive. We are called to forgive others as a result of the amazing forgiveness that we've received. In Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about this idea of forgiveness, and he embeds it right into a prayer that he teaches his disciples. He's teaching them the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that probably many of you have recited many times, maybe over your lifetime. Uh, and right there in the middle, uh, he says this line, and forgive us our sins 
as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And if that's not tough enough, in case you skim past that part, immediately after he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, in verse 14 he continues, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's one of the most challenging scriptures, I think, in the entire Bible. Friends, forgiveness is not an option, it is a command. And it's a core to the gospel message that that our understanding of the forgiveness that we've received, we're called to in turn forgive other people. You deserved death. You deserve judgment. And God, through his mercy, has extended forgiveness to you. This theme of forgiveness is continued throughout the scriptures. In Colossians 3, the apostle Paul is writing to a young church in Colossae and talking about what it means to follow and know Christ. And starting in verse 12, he writes these words, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Just a little bit of context. The Apostle Paul, before he became the Apostle Paul, was actually the leading persecutor of the church. So following Christ's ascension, the church is getting started. You can read about this in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul, the, the scriptures mentioned over and over again, he's at the forefront of the persecution of the Christians. Uh, he's, he's there standing as they're being murdered, as they're being persecuted. Uh, and so you can just imagine this letter is coming from Paul to the church. Uh, they're reading it and they're, they're thinking, who, who wrote that letter again? Well, whose name's on the front? It's from Paul? Right? Is that the same Paul who murdered my cousin, right? Is that, is that the same Paul that caused me to live in fear at, at home? Like, is that the guy who's writing? That just seems a little bit ironic to me. There's power in what is written here because Paul is writing about forgiveness from a man who understands incredible measures of the love and mercy of Jesus. In our minds, sometimes we can think of forgiveness as this easy little switch. But the reality is that in Paul's life, the example that we see here, it took years for those who were harmed by him to forgive him. You read through the book of Acts and actually the first martyr, the story of Stephen, uh, he's being stoned to death for professing faith in Jesus Christ. And the, the Bible says that, that Paul was actually standing there holding the coats for the men that were killing him. He, he was at the center of injustice. And scholars say it took somewhere around 10 years for Paul to, to go through a full transformation from the point he meets Christ to the point where we know him as like this a major leader, apostle in the church. And that 10 years was a transformation for Paul, but it was also, I think, a transformation for the people who were part of the church. It took time to heal those wounds. And you think, how is it possible? How is that kind of forgiveness even measurable? We understand that with Christ, all things are possible. I love in verse 13, it uses the phrase, bear with one one another. We just came through a unity series here at the church 
and talked about how uh, unity, the bride of Christ, is held in such high esteem that we should be agents of unity. Uh, unity takes work. Unity takes struggle. Uh, it's easy to love other people when they're lovely. Uh, what do you do when there's, when there's a, a, a disagreement? What do you do when there's, uh, when there's a skirmish? In those moments, we must bear with one another because there is some something greater in mind. This passage is all about our Christian identity. It's easy to think that once we start following Jesus, it's all about a set of rules. And it's to incorrectly think that the rules are what allow us to be more moral. But Paul's passage here, it tells us that our identity is not about rules. Instead, it's about how to be in Christ. It talks about things that you need to put on, a a different way of thinking. I love the analogy he talks about here of clothing ourselves, of becoming something else. It's impossible to do these things under our own power. In fact, under your own power, you're going to fail again and again and again. Uh, immediately before this in chapter 3 is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And Paul is talking about what it takes to have full freedom in Christ. And he says, instead, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated in the heavenly realms, and then you will know what his perfect gift, what his perfect purpose is in your life. To fix our eyes on Jesus is the call of the Christian. Put on love because God forgave you. And love enables us to take steps towards forgiveness. When we speak about our identity, as, as Christians, when we speak about the things that we must do, we can't make it up on our own. And I think that's actually a relief. We can't do it alone. It's a divine work that we submit to. So there are three reasons I want to discuss this morning. There's many more than that on why we should forgive. But number one, we must forgive because every single one of us has been wounded, and every single one of us has wounded someone else. And so if we talk about a message of forgiveness, uh, it may have taken you a split second to think about that situation. Uh, It may have taken you a split second to think about that relationship, uh, to think about that thing that you are still geeked up about, that you're still struggling with, that you're still uh, harbored with. Uh, But in a room like this, it's humbling to realize that there may be someone else, maybe even in this room, who thinks about the wounds that you've inflicted. So every single one of us, we realize that being imperfect people, that we inevitably are going to sometimes hurt each other. And with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, with humility in those moments, we repent. We ask for forgiveness from each other. Every single one of us says, you know what, there's something more important here than me just getting mine, me just getting what's fair. There is a family identity to the family of God. Number two, we must forgive because there is no Christianity without forgiveness. Is at the basis of the Christian message. One word that's translated from the Greek for forgiveness uh, from the original text is used over 150 times just in the four Gospels. The scriptures are filled with forgiveness. It's important if you're reading through the Bible, things that keep showing up, things that, that keep repeating, those are worth noticing. In Matthew 18, Jesus talks about forgiveness again following Matthew 6. Uh, Peter walks up to him, and and Peter says, Jesus, how often should we forgive uh, other people? Uh, Should it be seven times? 
And in the context that he was coming out of, he thought that that was above and beyond. Like, there was a system that was all about fairness. And so he said, seven times, I'm trying to get some points with the big guy, right? Like, seven times, isn't that an amazing amount of patience and forgiveness? And Jesus responds and says, not seven times, seven times, 70 times. Not that that somehow is this magic threshold, but he says, keep on forgiving. When someone wrongs you and you've forgiven them and they, they wrong you again, forgive, forgive, forgive. And there's a principle here. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive others. Number three, we must forgive for the sake of our souls. And Paul says to clothe yourselves with the fruit of the Holy Spirit instead of clothing yourself with bitterness and anger. When we hold on to the offenses that have made against us, it leaves us re resentful. It robs our joy. It consumes us. We dwell on the pain instead of dwelling on the healer of our pain. We can become prisoners ourselves rather than those who have hurt us. Anne Lamott, in her book Traveling Mercies, says not forgiving someone is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for that rat to die. It just doesn't make sense. God desires for you to have life and life abundance. And you cannot experience that abundant life if you are enslaved to bitterness. Now, it's important to mention that we can make mistakes when it comes to forgiveness. We can make a mistake when we diminish or disregard the deep pain that someone has gone through. And so don't hear from the, the stage, don't hear from the pulpit, hey, suck it up in Jesus' name. We should never use our Christian theology to gloss over pain. And I believe for many of you, or maybe sitting here with major wounds that are tied to this issue of forgiveness, I would say that there's space to process, there's space to lament, but we cannot abandon the biblical call to forgive. But we should mention what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean simply excusing the wrong that's been inflicted. It doesn't mean that we condone the act uh, you think about situations of abuse, of sexual abuse, of physical abuse, of injustice, and we see this, and inside of our, our guts, inside of our spirits, we say this is wrong, this is evil, this is sinful. Forgiveness does not make us naive to the situation. By way of analogy, if a dog bites you, you can forgive the dog, but don't go back to the dog until it's learned not to bite and so men and women in situations of abuse, we don't want to abandon the, the possibility of forgiveness, but it is nonsensical and it is dangerous to use Christian verbiage and theology to blindly say to someone, stick it out, go back, honor your commitments. Forgiveness does not mean to forget, to condone, to tolerate, or to overlook sin. But it does mean to choose the way of love over hate. Forgiveness can be incredibly hard. It requires courage and bravery. And so how are we called to forgive? I believe the answer falls with us connecting to the heart of God. Forgiveness is a holy, divine, spiritual work. It is counter to the way of the world. It is counter to our flesh. But forgiveness ultimately helps us to understand the heart of God. When you extend forgiveness 
to someone who doesn't deserve it. Uh, you are communicating the gospel in a powerful way. John 3.16 says this, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loves you that while you were still in your mess, when you didn't deserve it, when all the fairness uh, equations that are out there said that you deserved hell, in that moment, God sent his son to come to earth and to die and forgive and pardon your sin. And as a result of the mercy that's been shown to us, we show that to other people. C.S. Lewis says this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. For those of you who hear a message about forgiveness and you think, Aaron, you don't know my pain. You, you don't know my, my hurt. I don't want to dismiss your pain, but I know that in Christ, there is hope. And in God, there is hope. And what seems hopeless, what seems impossible, nothing is impossible for God. I hear stories of pain and abuse, and you think, this is wrong, this is, this is bad, there's no way that there could possibly be forgiveness given in this situation, and the Holy Spirit is saying, it is possible. Through the Holy Spirit, it is possible. Ultimately, the work of forgiveness is not our responsibility alone. We need the power and the presence of an almighty God in our lives. We need to clothe ourselves. We need to ask the peace of Christ to rule our hearts. We need to have the message of Christ resonate inside of us deeply. And so this afternoon, if you are in bondage, this afternoon, if you're in a place where you feel unable to forgive, there is something better in sight. There is something bigger in view. God desires for flourishing in your life. God desires for abundance in your life. And I may not know or understand exactly what you're going through, but I know God has a desire to make you whole. And he's done it before, countless times. Over the last century, there were a number of mass atrocities, mass genocides that were done. And out of those mass atrocities, there were like amazing stories of forgiveness that were extended. And no bigger atrocity happened in the last century than uh, the Holocaust. And this is a, a story that has come from the Holocaust of a powerful woman named Cori, Cori Ten Boom. Uh, and in the midst of the Holocaust, her family actually wasn't Jewish, but as all these Jewish uh, families were being persecuted and brought into concentration camps and uh, being murdered, her family, uh, a Dutch family, would actually bring these families into their home and rescue them, would bring them in. Um, and the Nazis eventually uh, came to discover that they had been helping or harboring the Jews, and they brought their family into a concentration camp. And if you get a chance to, to hear her story, if you get a chance to, to hear more about uh, her stories of forgiveness, she saw, she saw God work in miraculous ways through an inexplicably evil situation. And I want to show you a quick clip of one of her interviews here this, this afternoon. Let's watch this together. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin, and there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel outseers, guards, 
in the concentration in concentration camp. And that man said, I have I'm now a Christian, I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. I've seen that. Uh, interview with her several times or dozens of times and every single time what a powerful example of forgiveness forgive as you have been forgiven how the same way that God has forgiven you Christ has forgiven you completely and Christ has forgiven you constantly Peter asks, how many times should we forgive? And Jesus responds, just keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving till you can't anymore. How do you know if you've forgiven someone from your heart? Here's just a quick list of things that are characteristics of forgiveness. You face what they did and you forgive them anyways. You choose not to dwell on it. You don't keep bringing it up to them. You don't talk about it to others. You refuse to speak evil of them. You do not rejoice at their misfortunes. You pray for them and you ask God to bless them. And today, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to your heart about a particular instance, about a particular place where you feel like uh, forgiveness has just been really hard. And, and if you feel comfortable right now, I encourage you just to close your eyes. And right here in this moment, to allow God to speak to you. And maybe you're in a place where there is a Thing. There is a situation, there is a moment or a relationship that's so severed that you are not entirely sure how you could possibly come to a place of forgiveness. And right now, I just ask you to, to ask God, God, would you invade the situation? God, would you, would you give me direction? Would you give me purpose? Would you give me comfort in this hurt? Or maybe we're talking about the topic of forgiveness and you're in a place of saying, you know, I generally have a really hard time forgiving other people. And right now in this space, open-handedly say, God, would you help me clothe myself with the mind of Christ? Would you help me put on things that are producing fruit in my life of, of love and joy and peace? And God, would you help me to cast out putting on anything of bitterness or anger or malice? 
right now. Allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to us. Father, God, we, we open ourselves and we say, if there's anything that's, that's come to mind, anything that you've put on our hearts, a place where maybe your spirit is convicting. Father, in that situation, God, we repent. God, we talk about uh, the gift of repentance. Father, we want to turn away from that sin. And God, we want to open-handedly say, God, we want to receive what you have for us. And God, we repent of holding back forgiveness. God, out of a, an understanding of the amazing forgiveness that you've poured out on us, God, allow us to be people of peace. God, people who are able to forgive easily, God, even when it's not deserved, even when it's hard, God, to move in a direction of forgiveness. And Father, we receive that. God, we are so thankful that you are uh, so patient with us. God, even in the midst of our mess, uh, in our continual mess, God, you, you pull us out of it, God, and you, you desire for us to have freedom. And so, Father, right now, we rebuke the lie that says that we need to get even. We rebuke the lie that says that we need to, um, you, we need to save face. And God, we say open-handedly, we want what you want. God, we wanna see our enemies through the eyes of Christ. God, break our hearts uh, to love them and to care for them, to extend overwhelming forgiveness. And right now, God, we hold on to the truth, God, that you do desire abundance in our lives. God, for places where there are hurts and there are wounds, God, that you desire to make those whole. And God, you wanna use our stories to be a testament of your goodness and your mercy and your gospel message. And so, Father, we just say yes, God, be continually changing us, be molding us, God. May this particular local expression of your church be just an amazing, extravagant expression of forgiveness. And God, we know it's only possible through your son. We know it's only possible in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And so we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Amen, amen.